Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller. I'm here with Pat Nemers. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good, Abe. Good to be back with you again on the podcast. Good to be back. Excited to um, talk about Ephesians 6 again. This is the, we're, we're in that, the series of the Church at War, Ephesians 6, which is some really good practical stuff. The last several weeks have been really good. Looking forward to this conversation again. Talking about the belt of truth. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, it was a great message. Very um, sobering and eye-opening and um, be on your guard was mm-hmm. kind of the way I left uh, listening to the message, just thinking through. Sobering. How was it sobering to you? I'm just curious. I think, I think the, the, it's easy that we don't talk about. It's something we don't talk about freely, I guess I would say. Just, you know, the, the attacks, putting on the armor. It's just... It's uh, like we're in a war. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about that in the message of like, who who would leave and go to a battle without, you know, weapons or, you know, protection? Like nobody would do that. You know, we walk out the door, we walk out of our rooms and our houses all the time, not prepared. And we think we can just walk out there and win. And that's not the case. So that, to me, that's sobering. It's, yeah. hey, you better every day, not, not some days, every day. Because one day you're doing fine. And the next day, it, it's a full-on attack, and you better be ready for it. Yeah, and and that's why he tells us twice to put on the whole armor of God. I, I, I love that thought, too. You're referring to an illustration of one of the guys. As you well know, I, I have the privilege of working with several men that I've had the joy of leading to Christ in the last couple of years who have lots of military experience, and a couple of them are still in the military and they were just this whole concept of the church at war and it being an invisible war has just been very powerful to them because they themselves being soldiers have to dress up, have to drill, have to get ready. And from time to time, not always, but from time to time, actually go into battle. And the idea of doing so without being fully arrayed with everything offered them by way of armament is unthinkable. And, you know, and as you're saying, but that's what we're doing when we don't apply these uh, applications to our own life. Yeah. And several people talked about that drill comment, you know, Mm. you better be drilling in a Mm. sense, you better be preparing every day because you don't know, right? Right. You don't know when the attack is going to come, which seems typical. You think you're doing really well and it seems like, yep, I got this. We're we're doing great. And then all of a sudden, man, you just get sideswiped and... Where did that come from? Yeah. And and was I ready for whatever? Whether it was a personal interaction in your mind, uh, circumstance in your life. So, I thought that was a really good, mm. uh, really good illustration. The drill, the drill part, mm. because people don't. The I, the other thing that re, uh, resonated with me on that was people don't often, you don't often celebrate the drill. It's not something that like I went to drill. You're kind of like oh, I went to drill or. You know what I mean? Like people don't yeah. talk about that. They talk about the battle. They that's talk interesting, about the war. That was, I didn't talk about that in the message. That's an application you got out of it. Yeah. That's really good. I didn't think about that. We don't. You don't. Uh, you don't work your 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 butt off for four hours in the hot sun and with a bunch of other guys and come back and say, "Oh, hey, that was great, yeah. wasn't it?" Because you didn't really fight anybody. Yep. You're just getting ready for the fight. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so like so the you had you had three three the the whole idea was built up built up with truth and you had three three things there. Belt up your mind, belt up your mouth, and belt up your manners. And I I just think 
these are really good. I, I'd just like to walk through some of those and some of the practical applications of what that looks like. And, um, you know, living a life of integrity, that was really the big thing, which, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to go on there, but the first one was belt up your mind. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. And, and you had talked at one point about just, you know, if you win in your mind, you win, you know, in life essentially. Mm-hmm. What, what's the what's the battle, especially within the church and people's minds? I mean, we talk a lot about the mind. We, you know, set your you set your mind on things above, right? Colossians. Yep. What's going on? Why is that such a struggle? Why is the mind such a struggle? How are we being how are we being attacked through our mind? And you talked about this, but the culture. Well, you know, I'm not even sure I get it all. I just know that there is, uh, and we talked about this in our large staff meeting, what, 25, 30 people together in staff today, and and we talked about what are the cultural issues that we're dealing with today, and we were listing them all, and somebody brought up mental illness. And, you know, it's it's pandemic almost. Everybody's having, what is it? But it's issues of the mind and high anxiety. What's high anxiety? Where does that happen? That's that happens in the mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have your body doesn't suddenly become anxious. I think that's a mind thing. So it becomes the entrance. It's to me the you know we talk about the eye gate, uh, and uh, then what's what, the eye gate is a gate it, it, and it, a gate to what to the mind to what happens in our minds, and so be it lust or covetousness or anxiety. Our minds are the, as I mentioned in the in the message, that our mind is the principal uh, battleground, the theater of battle that almost all of us have, and we have to win there. If we win there, we'll win elsewhere. If we lose there, we'll lose elsewhere. And we have a lot of people losing, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because they're not belting up their minds. And so, I mean, I think of it myself. I mean, I, my mind is like anybody else's. I mean, I, I, I. I think thoughts I shouldn't think. I, 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 my thoughts can go places they ought not to go. And I can, don't you ever get that where you start, they start going there a little bit and oh, yeah. you're, and you're thinking, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't yep. go there. And uh, so that's the reason why you have passages like Second uh, Corinthians 10, where Paul says, uh, uh, we, our, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God. I love that. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and taking captive every thought, the place of the mind to the obedience of Christ. So I don't think there's any, I don't think you're going to win that battle of the mind unless you're putting the thoughts of Christ from the word of God into your mind. And then you have the ability to capture them because you're not going to capture something you don't recognize as an enemy. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to, fight against something that you don't perceive as your enemy. Mm-hmm. And so winning the battle of the mind has to do with uh, with having, I think, lots of truth in your mind, getting your head in the game, gave that illustration to you. You're a Packer fan. I'm sure yeah. you hated that illustration. Yes. That was terrible. But uh, but to me, it was a great illustration. I couldn't, I mean, I, I, I was captivated. The yeah. coach just kept yeah. pointing to him, pointing to his head. It was a little funny little side note here. I'd sent that clip to Doug, our tech, our tech manager. I said, Doug, put this clip. I put it in there, something like uh, uh, from three minutes or one minute, 14 seconds to one minute and 18. It was like four seconds I wanted him to put it in there because the coach was constantly pointing yeah. to his, his head. And Doug had to edit it because the coach, 
there is an expletive <laughs> yes. coming out of the coach's mouth. I saw he that. says it was very clear what he was saying. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So hats off to our tech guy. Way to go, was, Doug. Yeah, who was able to put the finger pointing to the head and not the other finger, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Sorry, uh, sorry. I hope I didn't put a bad word in somebody's yeah, mind yeah. here. So, anyway, so so that let's talk about that though, because everybody has been in that situation where your mind starts to go places it shouldn't go, and you. One, I think you make a great point. You got to know what the enemy is so that you can identify it yeah. and say this is the enemy, right? Yeah. What do you do though in those situations? Like what? We talk about take every thought captive. We talk about, you know, having truth in your mind. But, like, practically, what does that look like? I mean, how – how? because I've been there, right? Like, this this is a bad thought. This is not going the way. And, and you know, okay, at this moment, I have a decision. I, I either I either am going to follow the enemy thinking in this or I'm going to turn towards truth. But, like, practically, how do people – how would you – what would you say to people who are, who are at that moment? And how, how do you even get to that moment? I mean, you know scripture, you know it very, very well, and, and stuff comes to your mind, and it's just like, oh yeah, take that thought captive, yep, <laughs> Turn. a lot of people don't know that, they can't identify it. Well, I think if they can't identify it, it's their own fault. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a theologian or a Bible scholar, but you ought to be reading the Bible. God knows your limitations, your intellectual imita- limitations and everything else. If I think if you're pure in heart and pure in spirit, you love the Lord and you're reading scripture that you're putting truth inside, you're praying. Remember, that's part of his praying against temptation every day. If you're doing that, I think God will honor that and alert you to that, which you should not be dwelling on. And so I think I would just say to our listeners that as soon as you perceive inside your mind and in your heart, this is just wrong. And that's just common, sanctified common sense going on there. Then you do what the Apostle Paul told us to do. Flee. You run from it. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like rocket science here. You run from that. You don't go there. You don't walk into that place. You don't talk to that person. You don't text that person you should not be texting you should you don't make that phone call you don't open up that app or whatever it is you know you don't go to that place in the on on the internet you don't you in fact you don't just not do it but you run from and if you run from something you're running to something else that's where you you go back to the lord i think you should confess it as a sin especially if you started to go down that track and then you've already you sort of compromised a little bit anyway and, uh, you know, God's not going to condemn you. There's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Be thankful for that. Just tell the Lord you're sorry. Help me not to do that again and uh, get off to doing something else. And this is, I mean, I made the comment, you know, we, 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 I think I made it. I thought, you know, we, we're in this culture. We're swimming in this culture. I even said it this week or a couple of weeks before. I mean, there's no way this, there's no way we're not being affected by this. So just realize it and don't be so don't be so arrogant to think that you're not impacted by these things and that's why you got to suit up every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about getting off social media for a while because mm-hmm. it was just you talk about being infiltrated and just getting attacked, you know. They're like we need to we need to take a break. Like we need to be done because it was you know those voices and those thoughts were just which is that's the idea of fleeing and in, in a sense, right? They're they're saying, I know that this is not good for me right now. I need to take a break. I need yeah. to I need to get away from this because it it's affecting my mind. 
it's affecting my thinking. I think there's a certain amount of narcissism built into social media anyway, isn't there? I mean, I mean, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, why do you tweet? You know, why do you, why do you put something on Facebook uh, or on Instagram? Why do you do that? Other than to draw attention. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yep. I, I, I mean, you know, my book comes out a couple of months ago and I got to play the game. I mean, I'm a, I, I got to put that thing on there and I'm told what I got to do and I got to do it. And I'm, I'm happy to do it for the reasons I did it. But man, did it look like I was selling myself. Here is a book on humility and I'm selling myself. Do you want to confess anything right now? Well, or? no, I already did okay, the Lord, so good. I'm good with it. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, I guess the reason I'm bringing it up because it seems so, it smacks of narcissism. It smacks of, uh, you know, look at me, look at my children, look at my adorable little baby girl. I can't keep my eyes off her. She's so amazing. And look at my, here's my birthday girl. Now she's 16. Where is the time gone? And uh, please like and love and do all these wonderful things and say these things to about me and about my beautiful, because after all, she did come from me. And, uh, on and on and on and on. And look at this beautiful man that I'm married to. And look at this wonderful wife. And she's, uh, I mean, talk about this is, it goes on and on and on and accomplishments and this and that. Social media feeds our pride. It feeds our pride. I know it feeds mine. And uh, that's why I don't get on it very often. I get on it once in a while. I put a little devotional thought, whatever, but even then, I put a devotional thought. And it's like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna like what I said here. You're That's gonna right. comment on That's it, right. you know. Uh, what, but anyway, so I mean, it's it's a it's a vicious world. I think we really got to get a grip on it and ask ourselves why we do what we do. Are we getting off the subject here or what? No, well, a little bit. Okay, but that's all right. all right. I think I think it is a the the maybe the summary would be what where where does your mind, where do you wrestle, right? Where, where are those trigger points in your mind, whether it is jealousy, whether it is lust or pornography or, um, pride, greed, whatever those things are, like we, we do need to recognize that, identify it and, and flee from it. Right. Like you said before, don't, don't go there in your mind, don't, which is easier said than done because (laughs) that's our, that's our sinful nature going there. Like, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, it's the flesh and the spirit. It's the Galatians five, the, the battle of the flesh and the spirit going at each other. You know, one of the things I was going to say was, remember we talked about, it's the belt of truth. And I said, I, 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 I talked about objective truth, the word of God. And I talked about subjective truth or truthfulness. And I, I tend to believe that that's where Paul was going. Right? This life of integrity, a life of truthfulness. And I think that that's, we have to ask ourselves, are we presenting ourselves as, as men and women of integrity out there, be it social media or otherwise? I mean, I, I was, uh, I was going to tell you the story. I didn't put it in my message, but Chuck Swindoll wrote a book many years ago. In fact, I think it might be out of print. It just, it was called integrity. I loved this book. I still have it and it may still, but I haven't checked to see if it's still out there, but I loved this book and he, um, he told great stories and just, it was just a, it was really challenging book on having a life of integrity. He he talked about how he, he'd walked So this tells you it must've been many years ago, but he walked into a hotel one day and he saw 
he saw a, a member of his church standing by an elevator smoking a cigarette. He goes, so I, so I walked up to him with the intent of ha- engaging him in lengthy conversation because he saw him cuff the cigarette. Now, if, you, if you're a cigarette smoker like I used to be, you, you, when you cuff a cigarette, you're basically putting it in your hand without it touching your skin. You just sort of cuff it so nobody can see it, and you kind of put it behind your – he put it behind his back. He said the smoke was rolling up. Going up the backside, it looked like a chimney coming off the top of his head. And he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, I told the guy, I said, hey, hey, look, I want you, it won't bother me. Just go ahead and finish your cigarette. And Swindoll writes his book, can you believe it? He denied he was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, just then the elevator. Oh, no, he says he, he, he put his hand in his pocket. And we're going, oh, I, I couldn't believe it as I'm reading this. He goes, just then the elevator door opened. He ducked into the elevator and said, I got to go. Bye. He goes, Spinola goes, good thing, because he was about to be, go up as a living sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> but talk about a guy who lost all integrity in the moment. You know, yeah. his pastor was even going to give him an opportunity. Hey, dude, go ahead and finish your cigarette. I'm not going to condemn yeah. you, you know, yeah. that type of thing. But it was just, he was driving home the point that we've got to be people we claim to be. That's a truthful person. If you're not that way, you're not whole. And I love that idea of wholeness. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. The the second <clears throat> the second one was belt up your mouth. Truth getting in should have truth coming out. Um and and you you made a comment in the message. You said uh, you know, hey, this is like me calling the kettle black or whatever. Yeah. What you, what do you mean by that? Well, because I'm a mouth. I mean, I'm a I, I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord. I mean, my I've always told people if I lost my voice, you'd see me on you'd see me on Thursdays, and they wondered why. Well, that's when our garbage gets picked up. Because no no offense to garbage to uh, uh, people who haul garbage and pick up garbage, but I don't have any other skills. Uh, and um, you know, I'm I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord. But I, I if I'm not a mouthpiece for the Lord, I'm just a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, um, I said in the message that, you know, we need to belt up our mouth cause there's a lot of things that are in there that probably ought to stay there rather than come out. So we have, and really that really comes back to the mind as well. Um, uh, comes back. I didn't mention James talks about our mouths right. and he, he has a whole chapter on that and her section anyway. And, uh, you know, that, that comes back to our minds, you know, taking, you have to take thoughts captive because sometimes those thoughts become words. Mm. And, uh, I know that I have, um, you know, I've regretted words that have come out of my mouth. I wrote a book about this. Did you know that? I mean, the, no, the, what's it called? Oh, it's yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the whole chapter on pulpit sins, you yeah. know, was, uh, things that came out of my mouth that shouldn't have. So that's what I meant by preaching to the choir, you know, yeah. like that. So, yeah. So, so that, you know, you, you are a, you are a communicator, you're a, you're a storyteller, you're a, you know, you communicate a lot, you have a lot of words, but a lot of those, a lot of them are exhorting, they're challenging, they're, they're theological, you know, words, conversations that you have. But like when you, when you say belt up your mouth practically for the listener, what, what are you, what are you challenging them to do in those moments or not to do? When, yeah. when you talk about truth and knowing, you know, how does that look? What is that? Well, belt controls. It cinches things up. It holds things in, right? That's what we talked about. And I think when it comes to our mouth, it's both positive and negative. So belt up your mouth in this regard. Uh, control the things that are coming out of your mouth. Let them be true. 
you know, whatever things are true, lovely, good, honest, those things ought to be the things that are praiseworthy, excellent coming out of our mouths, not things that are filthy and crass and hurtful. And uh, so I think it's positively words of grace, Ephesians 4.29, negatively withhold things that are demeaning, that are, that are, that tear down, that hurt. I think it's, that doesn't mean out of our mouths should not come hard words. I just talked to a young man a couple of hours ago over the phone and I've had to say hard words to him. And I think, and he, he appreciates those hard words that I have had to say to him, but they haven't been harsh words. Mm-hmm. Hard words don't have to be harsh words. So I'm, when I say belled up our mouth, we have to be just, it just means controlling what's coming uh, through the lips. Is it Proverbs 15 that talks about be quick to listen and slow to speak? Is that, I got that right, right? James 1, actually, is what says that. But Proverbs probably says something like that. So I'll give you the... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look it up. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, James says. Okay, well, whatever. Close enough. It's in the Bible somewhere. It's in the Bible. (laughs) But, But it is... I mean, there is that there is that principle of like, is this is this going to be helpful, right? Yeah. Is this is this even if it is a truthful word, is it is it necessary? I mean, that to me is that being spirit led, praying about it, being in the word during the day to say like, hey, this this could either build up or this could hurt this person. This could this could give them life or this could this could really tear them yeah. down, right? And and there's a lot of wisdom in that, and that I think that's the that's the truth part that like. Because our emotions get involved, yep. whatever's in our heart comes out, and that we need to be very careful about that because it's so easy to to say something, and I'm I'm totally guilty of it of you know just making an off the cuff comment, and it's like man that person they didn't understand I was joking, and they took that no the way I did not intend for that to come across, or we get in the sarcasm mode, and there's sarcasm flying, and there's always a little bit of truth in the sarcasm, and everyone laughs, but yet. I think we have to be careful with that because it can it can it can be hurtful and it's not glorifying the Lord. Yeah, and to your credit, I mean, you referenced Proverbs fifteen. That is the that is the communication proverb. That's the one that says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a grievous word stir up your spirit. That was my first wife. That was one of my first. That was one of my. That was one of my first wife's favorite verses. Proverbs fifteen verse one, and even you know the tongue of the wise commends knowledge. You know, and and there's. There's the gentle tongue it talks about in, in verse four. I mean, a lot of that proverb is talking about the way we communicate with our words. So hats off to you. I, it, okay, I was close enough. Close enough. <laughs> you, you actually quoted from James, yes. but but you were on the right track yeah. on the proverb. Yep. Yeah, the last one then, the, the last uh, belt was belt up your manners. Mm-hmm. Wholeness, integrity, you talked about a double life. And I think, you know, this is, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, we often ask and say like, well, what do you want to be? Or, you know, what is your life goal or whatever? And we were talking about like, who do you, who do you want to be? Like what, who do you want? Um, do you want to be a, a man of integrity or a woman of integrity or a, a, a child of integrity? I mean, I think that's such a, like, I would love for people to say that about me and about yeah. us, right. And about yeah. people on that go to our church. Like they're, they are people of integrity. Mm-hmm. They, they back up what they say, they live out what they're talking about, which that's so frustrating from a church perspective when you say, well, this person claims to be a Christian, they claim to go to Sailorville Church, but they have a life that's not backing that up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, 
you're double-minded. Like you're saying you're this, but you're living a life of this and they don't match. You know, that's so frustrating, right? Because you're like, hey, don't don't represent us that way because that's that's not what we should be doing, right? And uh, but when you can say about somebody like, man, they are they are a, they are a person of integrity. I think that's a high honor. That's a high compliment of somebody. Yeah, I agree. It, it was within that point that I told the story. It's interesting. Um, I was chatting a little bit with my wife about this story. I purposely, you know, hid the names in this in the timeline of a of a of an old friend that got a hold of me. You remember that story that uh, yeah. from many many years ago and. You know, he got together, and I just listened to his story. It's very, very sad story. I felt bad for him. It's kind of pathetic. I mean, he's a very successful business guy. But his marriage, his wife left him, and uh, not for another man, just left him, just sick of him. And his kids were, most of his kids were, not most, but half his kids were completely in a complete mess. And, and the whole time I was listening to him, it was just everything was he he came to talk to me, I thought, because he wanted some help, some guidance, some encouragement, maybe. But he talked a, 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 about his wife or ex-wife and about his kids. And everything was pointing this, just pointing the finger at the wife, pointing the finger at the kids. Never once, I mean, I think he might have said in past, yeah, you know, just kind of, I, I can't think of one thing he said against himself. Not one. He said, yeah, I guess we oh, both wow. kind of, I guess we could have worked harder at our marriage. I guess that was about the closest he came to acknowledging that he was uh, even culpable for any of it. It just, it just, and, and in the middle of it, I, I, he could tell I doubted him and I did doubt him. He wasn't a whole person. It wasn't, it just wasn't coming off as a man who with integrity, it was just very sad to me. And I guess it could be me, could be any of us, but I think it's important that we belt up our manners. We realize that God's grace that he gave uh, to us to save us is also grace to cause us to live for him. So the way we live is, as you talked about, people would say, I, I want to have that kind of a life where my my life matches my lips, at least relatively speaking. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and that, that, that's part of our suiting up. That's part of our belting up. That's what makes us good soldiers. Yeah. I loved what you said at the end, you said something, you know, being, being a whole person, a, a man or woman of integrity, not a perfect, which I think that's key because I think a lot of times we think we have to be perfect mm -hmm. and that means integrity. But I, I, the beauty of that is right. Like integrity can be like, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah. Because you, you yeah. are whole, right? You're admitting that you, you messed up. You're admitting you failed. And and I was just talking to a buddy the other day about this, you know, and it, it, there's a lot of times in my own life where I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a internalizer, right? I'm a, I'm, I, I take all of these things. I kind of try to put them in order and put them succinctly. And then when I have it all ready, then I'm ready to, to share with somebody. And I said, there's a lot of pride there in my own life because I want I want everyone to think that I've I'm wise, I've thought through stuff, you know. And and I said, Am I okay to maybe say something and then it's wrong? And can I own it, right? Which you know, we've taught you and I have talked about this. Yep. Like everybody loves a humble person. It doesn't mean you're perfect, mm -hmm. but you own when you mess up, yep. right? And and you say, That was on me. I'm gonna take that, but that's still a man of integrity. Yep. Which I think is is good for people to understand that. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect.
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the guys who encouraged me in the writing of my book here about a year ago, uh, I got a hold of him. A guy I w- I served uh, as a trustee with him at a Bible college and seminary out east. I got a hold of him because he was a very very successful like 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 multi multi millionaire guy, young guy. But uh, and he was seemed like the coolest guy uh, as a trustee, and I I just I want to talk to him about this book and this and that. Well, I got a hold of him, and he hadn't been a trustee, and he he left about the same time I did. But he he said, Pat, I have a story to tell you. And then I was in the car listening to him. I mean, seriously, my mouth was on the floor of the car as I was listening as I drove down the road, and he told this story. He fell into immorality, adultery. Uh, his marriage was in a shambles, or at least was. But he told the story. He didn't get voyeuristic. He didn't get, show, you know, give me any pictures in my mind. But he just really told the story that he was the perpetrator. He was the sinner. He's the one who screwed the whole thing up. And he had to go and humble himself before many people did and now I'm talking on the other side of it. His life is coming back together. He was, he still had not, uh, he was still struggling, but he was doing well. His marriage was back together. And, but it was such a joy to listen. It was a sad story, but it was a joy to listen to because the humility was real. And, uh, the integrity of his life was that he, he was a repentant, uh, man, and it's a real contrast to the guy I met with just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Real what contrast. a contrast. Total contrast. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a that's a great way to end, too. I mean, it is a, I think that should be a great challenge to everybody. Do you know, would, would others say to you, do you have a, they're, they're a man or a woman or a kid of integrity. Mm-hmm. They, they back up what they say. They back up what they believe. They live it out. Not perfectly. But that that characterizes you. I think it's a great question. Yeah, let me end the podcast with this uh, this quote that I did not share, but I I intended to. I have it in my notes, and I never shared it on Sunday. Um, does that get your curiosity up a little yeah. bit? Okay, just Let's hear it. Uh, so um, so the uh, the that morning, I I every Sunday morning, I selectively text uh, you know pastors from all around the country and a few from outside of the country, some of our missionaries that are in our time zone. And I'll text them and tell them I'm praying for them and their services today. And they, they will return the favor and they're praying for me. And sometimes they'll beat me to text early in the morning. And, um, one of the young pastors that I tech, I mentored is, um, used to be an intern in our church. And now a pastor, you would know who I'm talking about. And, um, well, I told him what I was preaching on in Ephesians six and on the belt of truth. And he said, that's crazy. He got back. He goes, I'm preaching in revelation two on the book, on the, on the church at Ephesus. So same church, Mm. but the same church, but probably 50 years later, 40 years later. Okay. And it's the church where Jesus says, you know, I'm going to take away your witness if you don't get it right. Mm. Remember, remember their problem was they'd, left their first love yep. and they'd had, they had everything else going. And, and I, I didn't say this. I wanted to at the very end when I came back up and had my little pastoral talk, but uh, I just had other things I had to talk about. But here's what, here's what, here's what he said in his message that morning. He said, 
While, while sound doctrine and moral purity are essential parts to the Christian life, those two on their own don't make a Christian. They make a Pharisee. That's, yeah. a, that's a person who doesn't have love. So what I wanted to say was you got you to gotta put love in there. Build up your love, but it didn't go, I didn't have another M, so it didn't work that well. But anyway, but what a great thought, yeah. huh? I mean, here Jesus later on writes that very church says, yeah, you got the doctrine part down and you, you know, you're kicking people out of the church that don't belong there and you're getting everything right, but you've left your first love. And because of that, I'm shutting your doors. And he did shut the doors. There's no church in Ephesus today. So here's the quote again. While sound doctrine and moral purity are essential parts to the Christian life, those two on their own don't make a Christian. They make a Pharisee. That's powerful stuff. So as we strive to put on the belt of truth, listener, and I'm talking to myself and talking to you, Abe, put on the belt with love. <laughs>